You're listening to the Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we're talking about Cult of the Lamb, Immortality, Curse to Golf, and I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Let's go! Hello, hello, welcome to the show. Andrew's here. Andrew, last week we said no show this week. We did, but then you pulled a little trick on us. Yeah, a little surprise. Because you said there would be no show this week, so I didn't watch Morbius yet. <laughs> so I'll have I'll have feedback on that next week. I'll have finally oh, I seen we Morb. Done with we'll, the fucking summer of Morbius jokes. We'll keep Morb going. See no, Morb is going all yeah. summer. We're also joined by Jade King. Hello. And Izzy Vanderveld. Hello. It's been so long, my friends. We missed an episode when I was in uh, London, not seeing you guys who live there, but mm. that's just <laughs> that how it works sometimes. Strike, like for four fucking days. It just right. had something against you, Eric. It's like no, no one's going to see you. And then Andrew and I recorded alone last week. We went through all the Gamescom uh, announcements, but Izzy, you were at Gamescom. I was. Boots, boots on, the on the ground. Boots on the ground. It's That's actually right. Movie. Boots on the ground. Yeah. Tell us all about it. So, um, the entire city of Cologne smelled terrible. Uh, oh, ironically, okay, good start. And uh, me and uh, Chad One Piece enjoyer Dave Aubrey uh, yes. believe it to be because of the influx Former of Former gamer. Yeah, the sudden mm. influx of get like the sewer system probably just couldn't handle the sheer metric <laughs> volume of monster energy drink flowing. it's just loads of boiled <laughs> gamers from games. all over europe yeah. got together and shit up cologne yeah basically um no it was awesome yeah i didn't spend too much time on the on the main like public floor i did on Not saturday but um wednesday thursday and friday that was all pretty much in the um in like the press and business area getting doing interviews with developers uh uh-huh. getting hands-on with games um yeah, mm. it, was, it was good fun. It was just amazing. You didn't have to go down to the floor to play the games. Some people did, so I know Stacy. Um, Stacy definitely had at least one appointment just on the public floor. Um, oh none God. of mine were there. Mine were all in the business and press area. Which <laughs> I always try to avoid the public area because it's just swarming with shit munchers. And it's just the amount of there's a specific hentai panel. <laughs> on a t-shirt going around uh-huh. i saw go to on saturday in an hour like at least four different people wearing the exact same t-shirt and mm. i don't know if they were selling it at gamescom i i, I don't know like, it was just I no, thought, they all just independently came like that german i, I, I mean, thought I when you it. said i thought when you said hentai panel you meant there was like a panel of people talking oh. about <laughs> hentai. No, no, no. like a comic strip but on a t-shirt uh. Yes. Well, maybe there was a hentai panel giving out the hentai panel, and that's where people maybe, got it. Maybe. Were, you know, um, American conventions... Alright, enough about the hentai. <laughs> <laughs> you asked me about Gamescom, I'm telling you. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, we're going to have to get both of you out to an American show, because uh, it's a nightmare. And I've done E3. To... E3 is hell. Even... It's okay. Even E3, don't they mostly let you like go into private spaces to talk to developers? It's kind of a mixture. Sometimes, I think it was Borderlands 3 I had to go for realsies. Into the At PAX, you have to 
bury your face in a gamer's armpit every time you do an interview. They're just <laughs> they're there and they raise their arm up and you go, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> and then you go face first. I would have a sniff, boy. Yeah. Okay. Like... What what did you see at Gamescom? What what what's your, what's your favorites? What stood out? Okay, so my absolute favorite game, uh, which I've just put on my most anticipated game of 2023 list, it was a oh, Chance nice. of Sinar, which is a aesthetically it's like a cross between Sable and Journey. But um, uh. Ben but Ben says it looks <laughs> like it plays like Heaven's Vault. How can you not like the look of those games? It don't, no, don't it's play fine. like that. So <laughs> whereas that. those games have a sort of aimlessly wandering quality about yeah. them, this is a very focused narrative puzzle game where it's inspired by the Tower of Babel myth and you have okay. to climb through this tower um un- unlocking the languages that the people within speak. Um, so therein lies the puzzle where everyone speaks in glyphs and everything's written in these glyphs. And it starts off really simply, like there's a lever and it's there's a picture next to the lever. One is it in the up position with a symbol and then in the down position with another symbol. You move it down, the door opens. You move it up, the door closes. So, that, <laughs> okay, that, you, that just, glyph you described means, opening a door. Yeah, that's a, but, but the thing is you use that very simple puzzle to try and figure out what those glyphs mean. So no, it either means up, it either means up and close up or close or it means um, down or open. So you get to like write in a little notebook which is like provided in the game. So you like just type uh-huh. on the keyboard what you think it is, and then you meet someone and they like they're pointing at themselves and then a glyph something something and it's like it's it's either them saying like follow me or like I'm gonna open the door and you have to sort of like gradually unlock what what everyone's saying and what everything means yeah and so as the puzzles get more complex so does the language and you have to get the at, at the end of like each sort of section so like at the end of after a few puzzles when you've learned a few words you'll have the option the opportunity to um do a sort of like quiz it's not really a quiz but it's just the a page in the notebook will open up and you can try and match the symbols to the corresponding um gestures basically so gotcha. figuring out if something's open or closed or locked or a door or what it is and that kind of thing so if you get them if you get them all right then uh, you get a big like it reveals the true meaning of the words if you get one of them wrong it doesn't tell you which one you've got wrong so you need to actually pay attention to the puzzle and try and figure everything out and i can imagine if you if you fuck up some of the earlier puzzles that's going to snowball really badly but also if you keep guessing at the meaning and like the more context you get later on the more likely you are to actually do it it's the kind of puzzle game that really excites me specifically. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it, I think it sounds like it, it could be a yeah. cool dating sim too. You know, <laughs> learn the language of love. Someone's flirting. Yeah. With the yeah. Listen, I'm not the developer, Eric. Don't don't pitch me on this. Okay? <laughs> they flirt with you, Izzy. <laughs> no, uh, that sounds clever. That. What else that did you was, like? Um. What else did I like? Uh, Homeworld Three. Honestly, I'm yeah. not a big no. RTS person, but that did like it. Just the the sheer like visual fidelity of it was incredible like it looked stunning mm. um oh, yeah. and i like the idea of a narrative driven rts as well um i'm excited just to yeah like playing it was fun um me and dave were both actually in that preview together um and we were kind of like racing to see who could do the levels fastest oh, so it was meant to that be was, that was that's good, cool that was a good laugh he, he ended up crashing the game uh, apparently no one else had done that so he yeah he really balked it there I, uh, I I have not played Homeworld stuff either, though I am a big fan of uh, Blackbird Interactive, the studio, because uh, yeah. they made Shipbreaker, Heart Space. Mm. Mm. Yes, which mm. sounds like a very different game to this. Um, In, cool. Yes, very well, different game, but a lot of the same talent behind it. Yeah. 
And uh, this was the one that did that really weird crowdfunding on Fig. Mm. Which, oh, okay. But it's published by Gearbox. Uh, by no. Gearbox, yeah. yeah so yeah, that that was That's bizarre, but game looks and good. If I had to like, pick one more, just because I don't want to spend all the time talking about this, yeah. um, but one more game that really, really stood out to me would have... Uh, actually, oh, there's two more. Okay. I'll talk, about, I'll talk about the indie one. I feel like the indie one's like, it's probably nicer to give them more attention. Um, this indie game called Conscript, which is made by Solo Dev, and it's a like original Resident Evil style survival horror. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's that clunkiness of like if you want to swing your shovel, you have to aim the shovel and like yeah. point in the direction and then you swing it. It's that kind of thing. Um uh you got a big grid it, inventory too. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um it's that set in uh, set during World War One, like in the trenches. And so the horror that it uses is all grounded in the actual sort of horrors soldiers would have faced and i got a really lovely quote from the uh developer but yeah he said um humans are forced to act like monsters in war that's the scary part which mm-hmm. i really liked because all the all the enemies they have the way they like scream and grunt is it, it sounds monstrous and he said in an earlier build of the game he did have monsters as enemies and then he took it out it just didn't feel he felt like it kind of trivialized it and and like made what he was trying to depict something sort of farcical and foreign and like oh this didn't actually happen yeah whereas what he was going for was like no this is the reality the of horrors like, of it's, war it's, mm. war is horrifying. man is the real monster yeah exactly hey i'm looking at the screenshots on steam that they have mm. and the way that the enemies seem to move in that does seem monstrous like i yeah. thought they were zombies when i was first looking at the screenshot so it's interesting yeah. that you there's like you say there's that. definitely that that hint of like is like he was kate yeah it's like you don't know if something more is going on to on behind it um mm. which i think is cool it's like there's there's always that when i was playing i was like there's a chance this is gonna turn into like uh they're zombies or they're monsters or they're something like they're not actually human um mm-hmm. but my interpretation of it is that they are, and it's like... Who are the real monsters? Exactly. Like, yeah, you, know, it's like it. you, you see... It's like that Black Mirror episode. It's like, you know, you see the enemy as monsters, so that's why they appear monstrous to you. Uh, neat. Cool stuff. Yeah. Was there any, like, big AAA stuff there, too? Um, There was a lot of, like, really sort of, like, double-A stuff. I'm not sure uh-huh. about, like... So, AAA, the biggest AAA thing I saw was Callisto Protocol. Um, nice. I didn't get to play it, but I, uh, I did see, like, nice. a... Yeah. Uh, but I interviewed Glenn, Glenn Schofield, which was really cool. Cool. Mm. That was like quite a career highlight for me. And um, yeah, I chat to him about his time at, um, uh, like his time with, like working with Disney, like back in the day mm. when he was working on like licensed products. That was fun. Uh, he shit talked to Yay a little bit as well, which was yeah, not sure. How could he not? So I can say this. Um, but that was interesting. He, uh, I asked him. It was Stacy's question actually that she suggested I ask. Um, how he felt about them doing a Dead Space remake without him. Uh-huh. Well, actually, it was just how he felt about the Dead Space remake. And he said, you know, he felt weird about it, but he wishes them the best and all that. And yeah. I, just, I asked him if he if he had the opportunity to be a part of it, because he said he felt a bit weird that he wasn't involved. Um, and he was a bit cagey, but, you know, I, I pushed those journal buttons and I got it out of him. And, yeah, it sounds like EA just didn't want to build a studio wherever he was for it. And so they opted to make it in montreal instead where they hmm. already had somewhere um, i mean i guess it makes sense makes sense as a business decision it makes less sense as a creative decision but yeah more sense as a business decision i wonder if anyone will ever build a studio where i live so i can work there 
Mm. <laughs> just or build it like house. Just build it here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine how easy it'll be for me. <laughs> Izzy, um, there was a game you started to talk about and then decided to talk about Conscript instead. Which one was that? Yeah. Um, I want to say it was called Evil West. Yeah, mm, not yeah. Weird West. Oh, it was like yeah, Evil yeah. West. Yep, I ah. played that at PAX East. Oh, cool. What Sounds... did you think? I'd say that was like double A as well. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, though it is it is a full price ga- uh, game. So, yeah, but um, games are expensive to me. Yeah, I, I'm. We probably played the same demo. Kind of started right at the beginning, right? You oh. go into town and then you go down into the crypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you fight this big like this big yeah. thing that can regenerate itself. Yeah, it's a cool uh, like cowboys versus aliens, but cowboys versus vampires kind of thing. Cowboys and vampires, very dark watch. Yeah. Is that like a third-person uh, shooter? What's what's the gameplay third like? Third-person action RPG sort of. But yeah, like it's light, very light like on the RPG. God of War. I would yeah. compare it to. Um, yeah, it sure. does have. He has a gun, but it's for like stuns and interrupts. Mostly, yeah, kind of like so Bloodborne. He's got a rifle as well that like you can use for sort of like precision shots to like crit enemies in their weak spots. And yeah, then, yeah. I think I think it's like a revolver that you just like. Bah, 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 like but it's mostly it's like melee combos. The melee combos are very satisfying. I think the build was like a little bit janky still, because obviously it's not the yes. final product. So it was like I could feel there was some smoothness they still needed to put into it. For sure. Mm. It definitely feels like the kind of game where once that combat flow is like perfected, that will be like you'll see um like those Twitter accounts that post those gifts of like mad combos and shit. I think it'll be. Like, I think yeah, so where, too. Yeah. Where, it uh, it also borrows that thing from Doom, and I guess yes, Bloodborne does, does this too, where you can only heal by fighting. Mm. Yeah. If you once an enemy starts flashing, you like you do a melee attack on it, and it's like a finisher move. Oh, very gory. And so it heals you. Yeah. Yeah. It looks sick. Yeah, it's very gory. Um. Uh, did you beat the boss? Um, I had to. So that was a day when I had four hours of back-to-back appointments in one area um and i overran my time with plague tale requiem yeah um Mm. and so i didn't have enough time to finish wild west but um henry stockdale the freelance journal um he was there uh when i had like a few minutes to go back uh so i watched him beat the boss and it it looked very satisfying did you beat it Mm. it took me three tries but i did i did beat it it took Henry's to, I believe. So you okay. Henry well, good for Henry. <laughs> People have commented on this on Twitter, but we're getting every variation of West right now. We've got Evil West, oh. Weird West, Hard West Two, Horizon <laughs> West. Forbidden West. Every every kind of West you can want. They've got West is hot. That's the new trend. West Side Story. West yeah, side West Side Story. <laughs> sure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> You just had to, your gay little heart just had to throw music in that, didn't it, Jade? Yeah. <laughs> the original. Spielberg was chasing the trend, I think. Yeah, he's, he, play, he's, he played Weird West and he was like, man, I'll get on this. <laughs> you could do a whole story. You could do a whole side story about this, I think. I mean, Nope as well. That's like a whole Weird West thing. Sure. Yeah. It should have had West in the title. Nope West. Nope, comma West. <laughs> uh-huh. Nope. Has everybody West. seen Nope at this point? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Good movie. Oh, Great movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good stuff, Izzy. I'll link your coverage in the yeah, description. I, there's going to be so much coverage, but my, my indie spotlight is where I talk about all the small team indie games. Yeah. That's probably the piece I'd want to, I'd want people to see most because everything else is like big stuff that people know about, people are going to see, but 
there was a lot of really cool stuff that I saw. Yeah. Cool beans. Uh, anybody else take any exotic trips over the last week? Mm. No? All right. Well, uh, I'm headed to Seattle for PAX tomorrow, so we'll be able to talk about yet another convention. Convention Mm. season. Uh, All right, let's talk about some games. Let's do it. Let's talk about some video games, I think, to be more specific. Uh, We'll start with the oldest and work our way up to the most recent. Um... Call to the Lamb, mm. uh, big hit for Devolver. I think yeah, we probably all saw that coming. But sort of a, a Hades mixed with Animal Crossing, <laughs> but not really exactly like either of those things at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what do everybody think? I love it. It's one of my favorites this year. Me too. Like yeah, a lovely surprise. I thought the aesthetic mm-hmm. looked really cool from the trailers, but it wasn't until I played it that I realized like how many of my boxes have managed to tip. It's basically starting yeah. Valley with Satanism. Like uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it takes it took sick. me a, it took me at least an hour, maybe a little more, to figure out what the game actually is about. Like what actually is the core loop of the game because mm-hmm. the the actual like roguelike combat map exploration stuff is not really the focus of the game. No, it's quite simplistic, isn't it? Like, it's it's really time management more than anything, yeah. right? Right. I mean, because every whenever you go into a dungeon, the internal clock of the game is ticking away, and so like if you're on a really long run in a dungeon, you have to manage that against the fact that back at your cult, like some of your you know congregants may be getting dissatisfied because you're not around to like manage their faith. Um, right, and when they get um, dissatisfied, they start shitting on the floor and killing each uh, other, and like <laughs> yeah. preaching to each other. And like, if they, when they start doing that, you gotta, you have to reeducate them and like <laughs> lock them up in the, you know, in the stocks and just preach to them until they get their head straight. I did yes. thing. I'd, I'd make a prison, then I'd put the toilets next to the prison. So whenever I had like a dissenter misbehaving, I'd lock him up. So in, whenever my villagers went for his shit. They'd go for his shit, come out, and then laugh at the person who was locked up. <laughs> right. And they'd be I like, think... you need to hang out with the shit, with all of the shit we're shitting. And you can't I think... do shit. It's so good. What you're describing it really is the the magic of this game, because it's hmm. it's not an exceptional like action roguelike, and it's no. also mm-hmm. not an exceptional city builder. But mm-hmm. what I think it does so well, and why people are so drawn to it, is that you because of the theme of like starting your own cult Mm -hmm. you have to it forces you to grapple with like good and evil in a way that games that usually have that kind of binary just don't Mm -hmm. because like what jay did was like not part of the progression loop at all like (laughs) nobody told her to do that that there was no benefit (laughs) gameplay benefit for doing that it was just funny (laughs) yeah just doing evil stuff but but then on the other hand there are a lot of opportunities to like fight against your character's evil nature and you know you 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 can be a benevolent cult leader Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought James wrote a feature trying to do that and said like everyone like it went horribly horribly wrong 
Well, you know, James isn't the best gamer on the team. <laughs> I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I think Stacey that. also wrote <laughs> the opposite, but she said yeah. she cleared the game in 16 hours and she she was a good person and didn't see a big reason to go back. Oh. Right. I also think a really fascinating... One of the reasons this game appeals to me so much is the dichotomy between the subject matter and the cutesy visuals because it's so like mm. gory and morbid and you're mm-hmm. basically just controlling this cute little animal who's so adorable and yeah the amount of times i went into the church performed a new rite or a ritual and was kind of blown away by how dark it could get right mm. kind of is wonderful it a, is it a bit like binding of isaac and super meat boy visuals where it's like that kind of cartoon? it's a bit less yes. grotesque but, yeah about... it's cuter I would yeah. say than either of those. It's got sort of like a hand drawn like Ooh, look it, to it. It like looks when... like Don't Starve. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's on console as well as PC, isn't it? Yeah, it's on everything. Yeah, I've been okay, playing on PC, PS5. Once, I think the once my review is done. I'll I'll buy it and play it on my PS5. Yeah, I, I I think the whole like cute and cuddly Cthulhu thing works really well, and it feels <laughs> super familiar. It feels like something we've seen a million times but we kind of haven't like it yeah. does it does kind of own this aesthetic like i think in the future we'll see cult of the lamb like games like games inspired by cult of the lamb even though it's like you know it's very pastiche it's it's not it's not doing a lot of things that no one else has ever done before it's just it putting the pieces of, together in yeah. a unique way it does a lot of familiar things very well i think that's why yeah. it works there's a reason people are looking at this and going Oh, Cult of the Lamb is like Hades meets Stardew Valley meets Animal Crossing, and it combines those together in a way that we haven't seen before. I think that's yeah. why it's been so successful, because it's capitalizing on those in its own way. Right. Mm. But it's also interesting that, like, like if you're a big Hades fan, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this. And yeah, if you're I a big agree. Animal Crossing fan, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> recommend this. It's light yeah. in both aspects. Like, it's not... Yeah. The, the cult cultists you recruit don't have the personality of an animal crossing villager they're more fleeting i suppose like they can Mm. die you're having fun with them whereas the combat like it's simple and so is like the it's very easy oh absolutely even though when you there's like four areas in the game each with like a boss and you have to clear them four times and once that's done you can go back and compete for like bigger prizes and more loot and the game prefaces it by saying oh this is more difficult by the way but you've grind you've become more powerful at that point anyway so it doesn't really feel like a big challenge but also if this game was like binding of isaac hard i'm not sure it would have the same charm no Mm -hmm. it wouldn't but it is interesting like like yes hades is the best sort of comparison because that is like right there in the zeitgeist but also, like, I'm in the third area. I haven't finished it, but I've not died once. Mm. Like, every time you finish a boss, you go back to your town. And so, uh, which is not, like, how any other roguelike works. Like, you just go until you die, and then you start again. But in, but this, like, yes, if you die, you just start again. But I've never died, which is very strange. It, and also the it, fact, it, like, that it's so short that you can complete it in 15 hours or whatever. It's not punishing either. Like, when you die, you lose a few resources, but... It's negligible enough that you're you're gonna go in for another run and get all those back anyway. Yeah, it does cause your villagers to lose ten faith in you. I think whenever you die. Yeah, I have died. I've gone back and done a lot of the like you know harder variations on the earlier dungeons. I'm also on the third one. Um, but yeah, I've gone back and done those and died a few times. And yeah, each time you die, 
they lose faith, so you have to do a little bit of, you know, do a little rituals, maybe sacrifice a villager, maybe declare Come a on, fast, lads. you know. Cheer up. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've made you poop soup, you freaks. <laughs> yeah, there's one little freak that always wants to eat shit. Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, mate, could you, like... Mm-hmm. Does it really need to be that poop? Like, <laughs> um, but it has that nice little like farm sim progression where, like, at the very beginning, you have to do everything manually. Like, you have to pick up everybody's poop yeah, it's yourself. Like a clicker. You have to hand out favor yourself. Yeah, like a clicker. And then I you had start a big to automate wood problem at the start. I don't know if anyone else did. Yes, I, a big what? I wood problem. Wood. Yeah, yeah, I managed to have pretty much a reasonable amount of everything. But I think I cut my trees and shit down too quickly. So I didn't have the resources to build the new building that would give me wood. So I kind of had to go through a dungeon until I could earn some. Right. So I, I'd really dry spell there. But beyond that, like, this get so long as you manage everything right, Cult of the Lamb gives you everything you need. Yeah, mm-hmm. reach the end. as long it as ha- you play good, you'll do good. <laughs> yeah, if you're a gamer, <laughs> well, it, the way that it overcomes the typical uh, life sim bottleneck is interesting because, like, you'll hit that all the time. Like, you'll be low on wood, you'll be low on stone or whatever. And to overcome that, it's not about like planting more or like investing necessarily. It's often about like, well, I got to go fight some more. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. It it's as much as it is like two separate games, like the roguelike side and the life sim side, the, they do mesh together really well. Yeah. You can't unlock certain, um, you know, like there's four main doors and then one like big door that you have to unlock to get into dungeons. And in order to do that, you have to have a certain amount of villagers in your village. So you have to be taking like good care of your villagers or at least have enough of them like still living in order to like progress on the roguelike mm-hmm. part of the game. So yeah, they feed into each other really well, I think. Yeah. I think the big disappointment was just how unpolished it was. It's buggy. Yeah. Even now, like a few weeks later, it's still quite buggy. Mm. I have heard people say that, but on PS5 at least, I have not encountered any bugs at all, I don't think. Maybe one I might have had it. Might have crashed on me once, but I, it might be thinking of a different game. Actually, I don't. I, I don't well, think I've had anything. I don't think I've had any bugs. I had one situation in the church where I think I tried to enact a new rite or something, mm. and it got to the point where everyone was chanting, but they just chanted forever. Like there was no way for me to pause <laughs> or that's scary to restart the game. They were just like doing their weird animal arm wavy shit. And I was like, well, mm. I've got to restart the game. And that kick. I think there's like a fairly generous like save system. So it's not all bad. But there are a few. If you go through menus too quickly or get a bit too experimental with stuff, it will mm. just. It feels like they haven't quite f- polished the game to take into account all of those different yeah. permutations, which will come with that, time. This game. I think that actually is. Patch it. Yeah, I think that actually is what I hit. It wasn't in the church. It was talking to a villager that they just, like... We, I was, did, like, the inspiration dance for them. Like, you could do an inspiration dance to increase your oh, villager's so yeah, faith. Yeah. Way, yeah. I think I did that, and then that just went on forever, and I had to quit <laughs> out. So, yeah, there. I guess there are, you know, there are some bugs. I guess it just sort of varies, because I haven't... Yeah. I would not describe my time with it at all as buggy, although I've hit, like, one or two things. I think James is just unlucky. 
and not a very good yeah. gamer, judging by his yeah, that's the problem. Experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, let's talk really briefly about immortality because I think like one, it's a very difficult game to talk about, but also the more we say, the more we take away from somebody's experience. Yeah, right, that is the challenge of this game. I mean, in the same way that all of Sam Barlow's games i would say are so if you don't know he is the one he's the developer and his team half mermaid is who did immortality he previously made telling lies and before that her story and all of these are fmv games so they you know have real live action people acting in them they're they take a lot of inspiration in that way from morbius which is also live action it is, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you're f- familiar with it, but yeah. So Immortality is actually part of the summer of Morb, and as the name implies, you know, they're trying to... There's a lot of shared summer. DNA. They yeah, shared DNA this... in Immortality. Much like mm-hmm. D- uh, Dr. Michael Morbius shared his DNA with a bat, uh, right. Immortality this... shares DNA the with of the Morb film Morbius. The yes. actual name of Cold the Lamb. Right, uh, okay, yes. I, I have only played like 45 minutes because I was okay. pretty tired. So let me okay. say some things that because I it's almost impossible for me to spoil, right? Okay, sure. Uh, so here's here are my like very early thoughts. One, I think that it is such mm-hmm. an interesting evolution of his style, not just because it changes the way that you search. In, in mm-hmm. his old games, you use keywords. So like you watch a clip of a woman and she's talking about a guy named Doug, and then you type in the name Doug, and then you get more clips about Doug. Mm-hmm. And from there, it just spirals out until you figure out what the mystery of the game is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Telling Lies is Doug. very similar. It's just like yeah. a more sophisticated version of that. And then right. this does away with that completely and instead uses a what they describe as a match cut system. I think it's a it's pretty loosey-goosey with yeah, the idea of a match cut. But basically, and, you, you watch a clip, you scrub through it, and then whenever you want, you can pause and select a piece of the frame, somebody's face or an object, and then it will switch to a different clip that begins on a similar looking object right yeah the the match cut system is my only and i reviewed it i gave it a nine out of ten and the the match cut system was my only disappointment i do think it's innovative and it is like removing that layer of language between you and the game so instead you're searching visually instead of you know having to process it through language which is you know getting you closer to you know it, it makes it more cinematic in that sense that you're using like the language of cinema, except I thought it would be using the language of cinemas and you're looking at compositions and going from yes. like a, a shot that is composed a certain way to a, another shot that is composed a certain way. And it really is just like you're going, you're using, you're clicking on characters and it's taking you to another character. You're clicking on props. It's taking you to another prop. That is right. the that is like the same or a similar thing that appears in another, and not even in the same position in the frame. No, like that, it'll that just was, pan and scan yeah. and grab something. Okay, right. So like if I see a boom mic coming in at the top of a shot, I can click on that boom mic and it will take me to a police interrogation room where there is a microphone on the table. Yeah, somewhere and, else in the room. Yeah. yeah. So it. It isn't as full featured in that regard as I had hoped it would be judging by the trailers and by them describing it as a match cut system. Right. And so but I hope now that, that they... Yeah. Now that I played a little bit, it seems like that would have just been impossible. It does, although I kind of would like to see them try to do try, it. to like Try harder, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it I feel like it might be... I mean, I 
this is not what I would have expected them to do after telling lies, I guess. Um, and I think it was born out of Sam Bar. I interviewed him at Bloody Disgusting a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And he said that this was sort of born from a desire to like make something that was more cinematic since people were calling his games, like describing his games as like interactive movies. He wanted to make something that actually was closer to an interactive movie that was concerned with like the language of cinema, which inspired the match cut system. Hmm. Um, and I think he could go, I think they could go further with it with, yeah. you know, in, in the next iteration, although I don't know what it would look like, you know? So, so yeah, let, let me finish. Um, uh, the point I was making, I, I lost it for a second, but now I'm back. Okay. So obviously the way that you interact with it is different and it's like an evolution uh, on his, his style, but also mm-hmm. in both her story and telling lies, you know what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. You are unraveling a mystery. You're looking for a secret and you're working towards that from the very beginning mm-hmm. with immortality, the exploration and the discovering is much more um, forward, I guess you like, you don't know. Not only do you not know why you're there, or what your purpose of watching these is he's even playing with the format itself. Like, mm-hmm. It, it's like I know I'm not being clear and I can't because I can't say like what happens in this game but sure. it is not it is not what it appears to be and his mm. other games are exactly what they appear to be yeah. like her, her story in Telling Lies is like I'm going to watch these clips they're in a random order and I'm going to figure out what happened with these characters and what the story yeah. is but with mm. but with Immortality like pretty quickly you realize that he you're being fucked with Mm-hmm. like the game is like fucking with what you know and what you think you know and it's not just there there's there's a distance between you and the um and the characters and the scenes in his other games but in here mm-hmm. you're like very roped into like it's something that's happening to you rather yeah. than just something you're watching happen right um i think another thing that this game the, another differentiation between his past games and this one is that in the other ones, the characters that you're talking to are playing themselves, talking to another person. In her story, it's a police interrogator. In Telling Lies, it is you know people on video calls talking to somebody else on a video call. Um, and so they may be acting in the way that people act in everyday life, but they're not acting, acting. And in this mm-hmm. game, you have to... You're seeing like Marissa Marcel, who's played by an actress named Manon Gage. She is playing Marissa Marcel, the actress. Then she's playing uh, the characters that Marissa Marcel plays in these three movies that you're right. searching through. And so, like, you're trying to find out, like, who is she in this movie? What is her character's, you know, motivation? What is the plot of this movie? You're trying to figure out those sort of things on a basic level, but you're also trying to figure out what happened to her. That's sort of the tagline of the game was what happened to Marissa Marcel. That's the mystery. And so you have to like, you know, look in those, you know, behind the scenes stuff and see like, okay, so what were the relationships between these characters when they're not playing characters and like sort of gradually unravel that stuff. So it's a lot of, it's a lot to figure out and synthesize and try to like 
come up with theories based on. Yeah, but it pulls you in really well because, like you said, like you know right away that it's th- clips from three different movies. Mm-hmm. So that's an easy thread to follow. Like, what's the plot of these movies even? Because you're just right. watching random unedited clips that they mm-hmm. have like the director saying action and cut. They usually have a tail on the end, like after they say cut, where you get to see like the actors interacting or something for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to get there. Like, okay, I know this is three different movies. Every time a clip starts, I'm like, which movie is this from? Oh, okay, right. what else do I remember about this movie? And you're trying to figure out the plots of the movies. Mm-hmm. But that is not that is a small fraction of what you're trying to deduce here. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. There are layers. There's a lot of layers to what is going on, you know, the, and I would say that the movies are the top layer. And then as you go, you're digging further and further in, in getting closer to like the core of what the mystery is. Right. It is. We're talking around it because it's super hard to talk about this game without talking about, that those deeper layers yes um but i think like if you are into 20th century movies at all this is a very interesting game to play just on a surface level because barlow and his team are recreating the look of various different eras in 20th century film so like the first movie ambrosio is set in a monastery and it has sort of like the the look of like, you know, religious epics or like the kind of movies that you would see made in like the 50s and 60s, like sword and sandal stuff where there's lots of, you know, costumes and it's a period piece. And then Minsky, the second movie is like shot in this real, you know, like anamorphic kind of widescreen. And it's like a detective uh, erotic thriller that is like set in the 70s and it reflects what 70s film looks like. And then the last one, Two of Everything, which is in the 90s, looks like a 90s movie in that it's like full screen, still has film grain, but not as noticeable as those earlier movies. So like, it's just interesting to me as somebody who likes movies to see how is he recreating these things? Is he like actually using like the film stock that like they would have used in the 70s? Is he using digital and like doing some sort of like filter on it to make it look like that? It's interesting to think like, how did they pull this off because it's not as easy as like hitting seventies mode on a, you know, camera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the fidelity is so impressive. Um, mm. Especially if you pl- are using like a widescreen monitor and you can get that like anamorphic mm. uh, in, in the Minsky clips, like the, the yeah. way that the screen size is reframing and the way that the, the quality of the film changes with each clip um, even like the, so like the first one I watched, I don't know if everybody starts here, but it, it was like an interview between the actress on like Johnny yeah. Carson and even right. like an episode of Johnny Carson looked correct. Right. Like, and they show a clip from Ambrosio on that and it looks significantly worse than when you find that clip from Ambrosio. Right. In the movie because you're because watching it, it on the, yeah. cable TV or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's just like, yeah, I, I think that's so smart. And so like extra like there's so much extra work that goes into doing that and it's just impressive on like a like in the same way that like graphical fidelity is impressive if you're talking about the last of us part one remake right this is impressive to me is like man what cameras were they what lenses were they using were they actually using film like there's a lot of questions like that that you can ask yourself and i would love to talk to barlow now that i've played the game and find out like how they pulled that stuff off because it isn't cheap to get like 
old film stock if that is what they ended up using. Right. And I, I assume they didn't. I, I assume mm-hmm. these are all filters and digital manipulation, but they it, right. even so did such a great job matching the look and feel of like each decade of film. Right. Uh, fucking fascinating video game. Like, of course, yeah. everybody knew it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm so intrigued by it. Are, uh, yeah. Izzy, are you going to play this? Immortal. It's called Immortality. Immortality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was very lost. Um, uh, you have I, not I played uh, her story or telling lies, have you? No, I haven't. So I haven't. Mm. I haven't planned to. I've got. I've got so many games I need to catch up on this year. All right, I'm, enough of you. I'm hope. I'm... <laughs> it's <laughs> like, not very long. <laughs> you guys have, is it out it's... now? Already? Yeah. These are like now. these are like three incomparable games. Like. Mm. Just some of the most amazing fiction that exists, and you're like, I don't know, I've got Sonic the Hedgehog coming up. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sonic what's Frontiers. Like, what's what's the one where it's like every time you blink, the the game progresses before before your I eyes. Know, <laughs> that's I know something it's a different else. thing. I know it's something else, but that's something I really want to play. So it's games like <laughs> that. that <are> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> if you are, if anybody that's listening is interested in playing this, it is on Xbox. Game Pass and on PC Game Pass, I yes. think as well. Oh, it's on it Game is. Pass, amazing! Um, yeah, this yep. sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, uh, it's incredible. Um, I think like there is a barrier with all of his games because of how weird they are. That you start mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, and the game won't tell me. That's like part of the <laughs> but, joy, though, isn't it? Like, yes, that mm-hmm. is that is the there's process. An end point to these games, but there's with telling lies in her story. It was a case of like. There is definitely so much I missed, like, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the part of discovering the mystery. I imagine immortality mm-hmm. is the same because no one's going to play right. this game the same way. Mm. Right. That's cool. Like Eric said, you have that one uh, starting point. I think everybody gets the Johnny Carson clip first because that's what I mm. got as well. But yeah, there are endless routes that you're going to take just because like in that scene, you could click on Marissa Marcel, you could click on the Johnny Carson impersonator, you could click on the microphone on his desk, you could click on her um, um, coffee mug, or I think she has a coffee mug, but like there's a bunch of different things. Or you could click on like one of the actors that shows up in the clip that they show and then go and suddenly you're in that movie that they're showing. So like there are... So many different directions you can go, even with that sing- singular start point. I almost want to do like a full blown spoiler cast for this in a few weeks. Once people, yeah, I feel like it. it. I feel like that would be worthwhile to do for sure. Because yeah. there's a really there's so many interesting things to talk about um, that we can't at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- one thing. Oh, there's a couple things. the The way that you scrub through clips is mm-hmm. so eerie. And unsettling Mm -hmm. because you're not rewinding right you're literally like reversing time on these clips Mm -hmm. um and that's obviously not how (laughs) that's not how uh, editing software works that's not even how like the linear uh editing machines worked back then Mm -hmm. um but it's it it gives it this like horror tinge right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that really fits the theme and then the other thing is that it has a score like mm-hmm. it has a dynamic score that plays consistently yeah. that 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 is interactive with the experience that you're having it's like it's actually 
one of the most impressive things. I don't know if people are going to talk about it as much because it's kind of, you know, low key compared to all the things he's doing with film techniques. Mm -hmm. But there is a musical score that is continuous through the whole game, no matter what you're looking at. And it mm -hmm. somehow is like pairing with the the ebbs and flows of discovery. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. I think <laughs> it's, that it's maybe <laughs> I feel like that makes the um lack of it really being a match cut system a little more forgivable because there's so much that is going on here that yeah. like to try and like link clips based on having similar composition instead of just props and characters would make it a lot more difficult. You know, it would it would just be and that's why I think it might be doable for the next game. Because it's like they've done this, they know how to do it. Let's you know see what how they can build on that from there and get more cinematic with like the techniques that they're employing. You know, yeah. Uh, I have one more question about it, and we will talk about another game. But um, I don't understand the the navigation, like the filtering icons mm. like every time you're looking at your bank of clips you have all these yeah. ways to reorganize them and it makes mm -hmm. no sense to me at all is that something yeah. that you figure out or i don't i didn't really use that a ton until the end i just sort of like they arrange themselves in a certain way and then i sort of just use that for the most part but you can arrange by movie you can arrange by prop you can arrange by whether record like, date yeah, record date and like also where it would be in like the movie's chronology, I think. Yeah, it's so really bizarre. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, you have all these different ways to and it just automatically reshuffles all the clips and I don't except for the one where it puts them all in chronological order. I don't understand mm -hmm. what it's trying to tell me when it puts certain things together, but maybe that becomes yeah. clearer later on. The prop um, one I think could be useful if you have like a specific character or item that you want to like see every clip that it shows up in but i didn't use that very much i only like i only started to mess around with those at the end because i found felt like it worked fine in the default way that they showed up yeah but you can also like make your own little you know playlists so you have like clips that you think are especially important together in one place you right. can hurt them and then like re go back and revisit them, which I think, you know, there are certain clips where there's a lot going on that you're going to like, whether it's just like, there are so many props or there are like, you know, narrative threads that you feel like you want to follow up on from there. Like that's right. a useful tool, but I, I rarely mess around too much with those tools. When I play one of these games, I tend to just like keep mental track of what I want to look at. And for the, and it feels like, at least from what I've played so far, you just like, can endlessly jump from clip to clip and never go back to your like hub. Like right. you just keep match cutting, keep match cutting, just keep absorbing clips. And there's always, yeah. some, always another one afterwards. The only thing you'll hit on is like, there are some characters that only appear in a single clip. Mm -hmm. So like if you hit on their face, it'll just bounce you back. It'll like zoom in and then bounce back to the clip. So that's the only thing you'll run into. But if mm -hmm. Marissa Marcel is in basically every clip, so mm -hmm. you can always just click on her face and then that'll take you to a different clip. Right. So there's always somewhere to go. You never have to go back to the hub once you start playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Immortality, highly recommended. One of the best games of the year. Incredible. And it's on Game Pass. Like, what yep. are you waiting for, Izzy? 
okay. I'm just getting some writing done. <laughs> I do. I do think we should. We should talk about that again. Maybe I don't know in a few weeks once people have all played it and stuff. I think uh, generally doing like spoiler cast episodes would be quite fun. Like doing like deep dives into games that have like been out recently, but not so recently that Last of Us Part One. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> tough because most of the time you can't really spoil a video game. Like we can, you can say whatever you want about Call to the Lamb, right? Like you're not going to ruin. Yeah, it, it's like, only like really story heavy ones or like yeah, anticipated games, I suppose. It's rare for a game to have a good story. That's the problem. We mm. did a mm. we did a really long spoiler cast for Last of Us Part Two, and that was the last time it felt justified hmm. to do mm. an episode about one game. Yeah, um, I feel like you could do one for like Deathloop, but it would just be like, man, that kind of fell off the rails there at the end yeah like, that's a, exactly that's a great point like we yeah we mm-hmm. tried to do that for death loop but it's like i mean you kill everyone you break the loop like you can't mm-hmm. really ruin that game either yeah you know where that right. story is going because the mm-hmm. core conceit is given to you at the start right mm-hmm. and it doesn't really go anywhere unexpected that it, that's much more focused on the experience yeah uh, yeah uh okay what else do we got um, you want to talk about Cursed to Golf? Oh, yeah. What is Cursed to Golf? I don't have a ton to say about this one. I've only played a few hours of it so far, but okay. it is a golf roguelike that takes a little inspiration from games like Celeste or um, Super Meat Boy. Um, you are a golfer who like dies during a um, you know golf match somehow i think it starts storming and you get struck by lightning and then you like fall down to like this this is how 90 percent of golfers die golf <laughs> yeah exactly die. well it's because Not they carry much. around metal you know electricity lightning conductors lights. in their hands half the time right? right um so like yeah you fall down through you know into this like golf purgatory where you meet this giant ghostly scotsman with a huge beard mm-hmm. and um I think the idea is that in order to get out of this purgatory, you have to beat this 18 holes of golf there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a roguelike. And so if you die on hole 17, you have to go back and start over it. And why would you be dying? Oh, it's not. I mean, not dying. Not. I am using. I use dying, but it's not dying. It's like um, if you going over par. Right. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah, if you can't get you the ball in the hole by struck by lightning again, <laughs> yeah, is it are the and holes you... like procedural or something? I think that they are. They have not. They're like similar difficulty, but are arranged in different ways. So gotcha. I haven't made it that far. I've only made it to like the first boss battle, which is where you'll like you know have to go up against the the Scotsman. Um, but. In every level, you have cards that you are carrying with you. You like gain money depending on how well you do on a hole, and then you can take that to the the golf shop and buy um, you know new cards, basically, which you can play in before a hole. So, like if you're down to like you only have one swing left before you'll your run will end, you can play a card that will add two strikes to it. So then you are you know good to go for longer. Or you can play a. There's one that like will re- you where you can reverse the shot. So like if you are like oh frick my you know hole is over to the right, but I am like aim to the left and can't like have to get around like a level to get up to the hole. You can 
hit it as hard as you want in that direction and then play this card and like reverse the golf ball so it goes in the other direction. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff like that. I love that golf has such a broad genre of bizarre. Mm. Like, wasn't there one where like you are golfing, but then you're actually not hitting the ball, you're hitting like the terrain and like, yeah, what the golf, what the golf, yeah, yeah, what I the think... golf was cool. Uh, and that then, was one like, of those uh, early, what'd you say? What'd you say? say something like Andri- that? Android has a bunch of really bizarre mini golf games too. That always mm. have something weird going on. What is it about golf that makes for like inventive indie games? Is it cause like, go- like golf in real life is like super boring. It's <laughs> <laughs> a blank slate sport. You can do anything with it. Yeah. I think part of it is that golf is one of the few sports that has like weapons that you can equip right like you have like a you know a driver an iron a wedge a putter yeah, like it, it, it gives you like all that room to play around with yeah there's so only it, one it, kind it, of like, baseball bat right so yeah, it fits like well with rpgs <laughs> that's like such a good point that's exactly what it is oh man uh all right what is that on it's not on game pass right um no it's not on game pass i'm playing on pc i feel like it is also on switch but let me check it's on PS4 oh, yeah. and Xbox, I think. I think it's on everything. Yeah, yeah. so Google says it's on Switch, PS4, Xbox, Windows, Xbox Series X and S, PS5. So yeah, everything. Except Stadia! Die mad, Stadia! <laughs> Sorry, Stadia! <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you know what I, we totally forgot to mention? Immortality is going to be on Netflix games. Yes, oh, that is yes. true. I forgot about that. So if you it's must not there wait, yet. Uh, it will be perfectly playable on a phone. You won't necessarily get the full splendor of it's like it'd be good on a tablet. Yeah, play it on a tablet. Mm-hmm. Like an iPad Pro. Like that's play it on your biggest good. screen. I've seen, like, they recommend playing that game on a controller, but I played everything nah. on a... I played everything with keyboard and mouse. I've heard, like, I've seen at least one reviewer say that they... Like Kenneth Shepard over at Fanbyte said that he did not like how it controlled on a. I think he was playing on controller. I think he was playing on console, and he said that he didn't like how it felt that way. So, it's. I think your the, mileage may vary. The um, scrubbing is a little awkward with a mouse. It's better if you use buttons because mm-hmm. you have to flick, and the harder you flick the mouse, the faster you rewind or fast right. forward. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's a little strange. And then sometimes like you want to click to pause and also click to p- click on something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, sometimes the interface gets a little weird. But on the phone, you just yeah. tap it. Everything's a tap, right? Like right. It's, gonna work, it's, gonna work, it's gonna work great on mobile. Yeah. It'll do gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Is that all the games, Jay? Did you have a game? I've got one. Yeah? I was gonna talk about Destroy All Humans, but it's less fun to talk about. So mm. I was a teenage exocolonist. Oh yeah, I always say it wrong, but yeah, like much like Immortality and Andrew, like this is probably one of my favorite games of the year. But wow, it came out of the way. It came out kind of surprising. I think you recommended me the demo when it was at Ludo NarrowCon. Yes, on yes. Steam. But yes, I spent the past few weeks playing through this, and it's like an adorably tragic narrative adventure. In in a similar vein to something like Stardew Valley and 
oh god like a point and click adventure game i suppose mm. but yeah you play as a little kid who has spent their entire life aboard a colony ship that is hurtling towards a new colony at the edge of the universe because at this point in time humanity has kind of destroyed the world with like capitalism and the climate crisis and you're like a small bastion of humans who are trying to make a home on a new planet and as the title suggests you're like a colonist on this new planet and the narrative you start at age 10 so as a little kid and the game ends as soon as you celebrate your 20th birthday and the future that you receive in the final moments through like snapshots of the future are influenced by all of the decisions and relationships you have made in those 10 years of your life and it's a really lovely and fascinating game and i've only played through it twice and each playthrough will take you about six to eight hours depending on six to eight sorry it's not that long goodness me <laughs> but yeah and it's also oh god it's a hard thing to describe but basically each year in the game is separated into seasons and you'll be asked to kind of like attend the classes like there's engineering life sciences enroll in military training so you can kind of defend the colony that way or just like help grow the land and work on side other people and work on side i work alongside i think your mum works on the plantation so it's a case of just your like, mom sorry yeah I but it's yeah like supporting the colony that way and it's all about the relationships you build of characters in a similar vein to stardew like you can give them gifts and there's conversations to have every day mm. but it's also in terms of the way it does relationships it's also a dating sim like everyone in this game is clearly the developers know what they're doing because when you reach 20 like every you want to date everyone because you're like oh everyone's super dreamy and they're all like hormonal clearly because there's a bunch of like 19 year olds on this colony but you're also like taking into account the relationships you've built over those 10 years and all of the big decisions you have to make and hmm. it's really well written it's very anti-capitalist like in a lot of the stuff it explores in its like themes and narrative because there's a gauge in the game and it's loyalty and rebellion and you'll swing one way or the other depending on the decisions you make throughout the game and towards the end you can either decide to be like okay i'm going to support like the continued colonization of this planet and like a hostility towards its wildlife or you can be like no like fuck my elders we're repeating the same mistakes that brought us here in the first place like humanity is not going to have a future if i don't like step forward and do what's right but that viewpoint Damn. will be will be continually influenced by what classes you take what profession you choose what relationships you build and <laughs> throughout the game it's got a lot of emotional gut punches like within the first I'd say hour, there's a character called Tammy. She's like a fairly innocent little girl. You make friends with her. And then one morning, your mum comes to you and went, oh, there was an accident in the crash and your friend Tammy's died. Like this 10-year-old that you've made friends with is just dead. And it's like you can decide to go to her funeral or like grieve on your own. And there's like these incremental moments of loss throughout the game mm. all alongside these really sweet moments. And it manages to make all of them work while also being like, a dating sim in space it's very simple but it's also like lovingly presented and honest and inclusive and 
I guess just a lovely surprise. Nice. It wasn't the sort mm. of game I was expecting to enjoy as much as I did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, check that out. It's on everything except Xbox, I think. Pretty mm. sure it's on Switch. But it's only like 20 quid. It feels like it should be on Game Pass. Like It feels like that perfect Game Pass game. Much like Citizen Sleeper and stuff. It feels like mm-hmm. it would find a bigger audience because it's by a relatively small developer, even though they've done some stuff in the past. Hmm. That sounds awesome, actually. I, I want to play that, especially because it's so short. It is very sweet yeah. and lovely. And sad. So sad. You had me at uh, leftists. It's super woke. It's super woke. <laughs> nice. Uh, very good. Uh, next week, obviously, I'll have everything from PAX West to talk about. We've mm-hmm. got some very exciting interviews. I'm talking to Justin Roiland. Mm. I'm talking to the Monkey Island team. Mm. And others. Uh, nice. We'll also have Disney Dreamlight Valley. That launches next nice. week. <laughs> um, I think we'll have Stacey on to talk about Saints Row. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about Pokemon Unite. I'm sorry. Nice. You can't stop me. I'm going to talk about um, Pokemon towards, Unite next week. Towards the end of September, we'll have Sly Cooper to talk about because Sucker Punch just announced that uh, the Sly Collection and Sly Cooper Thieves in Time and Bentley's Hack Pack are all coming to premium Ooh. PlayStation Plus. Oh my! I've never played any of those games, so I'm very excited to play them. Uh, we'll probably have George around too to talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Kawabunga collection. Nice. Uh, cool. Lots of good stuff next week, but we're not done yet. I think that we should take a short break because we have some big news stories to talk about. Mm. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Back with Jake King for the news. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, we have some some buyouts, buyouts and acquisitions, which is, I guess, just a weekly segment we do it's on the show. The name of my now. prog rock band. <laughs> uh, the first one is that NetEase has bought Quantic Dream. Um, well, I guess it's just safe to assume that every like independent publisher or studio is going to get bought by either Embracer, NetEase, or what? Microsoft and Sony? It's just everyone's like, eating everyone up. Like, yeah. Nintendo's not buying anything, but everything else is getting gobbled up by uh, maybe maybe Amazon. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, NetEase. You'll, you'll probably recognize if you've played a lot of terrible mobile games. <laughs> That's what makes me afraid. Like, <laughs> if you play the main like Yakuza a guy went to Netties and he's like, gonna marble MMOs. Game. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, Quantic Dream survived a lot longer independently than you would have thought it could have, right? Yeah, because they've been a second party studio since like the days of Indigo Prophecy. Right. I'm sure Sony was giving them tons of money. Yeah, they they were. A, in all but name, they were a first-party studio for Sony until right. until Detroit came to PC. Like you'd view Quantic Dream as a a studio that released PlayStation exclusives. Like that's just yeah, we're known for. 
but but and despite that, Sony didn't want to buy them. I guess. No, I wonder what... why. <laughs> do you think? Do you think like Detroit and all of the bloody drama behind the scenes? So like, nope. I, I have to that. assume so. Yeah, it's all David Cage's fault. I, what is I, it? I imagine that it dropped their value to a point where they what Sony could have offered them is not what Quantic Dreams would have wanted, but. Here comes NetEase, who apparently doesn't care about NetEase. Just don't give a fuck if it looks bad. No. Like, well, I can't imagine it does, being the sort of company that makes those mobile games. Yeah. Uh, statement from NetEase CEO William Ding: NetEase will t- continue to fulfill our promise to support Quantic Dream to realize its full potential. There are infinite possibilities that could redefine the interactive entertainment experience. You, you think they talk like that just like in their lives? No, you it's all like, canned nonsense. It's, like at the end of the day, they go home to their, their wives and they're like, the infinite possibilities today, of we dinner. We just talked about the infinite possibilities of, of, of the media, interactive but, entertainment experience. But they've said Quantic Dreams management at the top will remain the same. So that means David Cage is still in charge. They're still yes. going to be chipping away at that Star Wars game and right. possibly another project under the leadership of NetEase. Uh, yes, but now they have the money to just spend 10 years trying to make a Star Wars game. That's basically they could, what they could make like a mobile game, but the emotions are like things you roll for. <laughs> oh man, you have to put the phone up to your ear and like talk to characters in the game. Oh, like in No More Heroes on the Wii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like when your character takes a phone call, you have to like take the phone call. Like that Mr. Robot game they did for me. <laughs> They're going to steal my ideas. We have to stop. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk about them enough. Tencent and Sony have bought into FromSoft, uh, the Elden Ring giants have sold pieces off to Tencent and Sony. Selling out. This Sony doesn't surprise me. Tencent is just like. Yeah, I guess between Tencent and NetEase and Embracer. Those are the big three now, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to get a piece of every single studio and eventually just just hostile take over the entire industry. Oh, that's fun. That's the future we really don't want. Fun, I'm fun, surprised fun, fun, fun. Sony didn't put a bigger stake into From Software. Me too. Or just try and buy them outright, because that would be Sh- the right move. Should have tried to buy them years ago, right? Yeah. It's probably, probably too late. Probably too they, I still think rich. they're biting themselves in the ass for after demon souls was a cult success they did not buy them because right Namco scooped up the rights for dark souls and the rest is history really and then but they've had a bunch of different publishers right activision yeah, did activision, Sekiro. Bandai. yeah yeah so sony should have should have uh scooped them up much sooner i we think got bloodborne too. we could have got bloodborne too do you think we ever will yeah or yeah. at least a remaster i think we will too i think bloodborne 2 will happen i think that it just it'll melt too many faces to not happen you know it's like it's too good of a e3 reveal it's been rumored we to come still to pc for like 10 million years now every yeah. every trade show someone's like mate i've been hearing things right <laughs> right <laughs> uh netflix's resident evil has been canceled uh the first season premiered a, mm, six weeks ago and the plug has been pulled i don't think anybody's surprised 
uh, I'm certainly not surprised, but also I think it's pretty pathetic how uh, how happy people, people are about seem, this news. People seem to celebrate, yes. which seems really wrong because I didn't think it was good, but it was it was kind of different and daring, and I yeah. would have liked to have seen them carry on that vision. And people, I feel like with this especially, before it even came out, the hardcore fans and stuff were shitting on it. Like, oh, it's it's different, it's woke, it's it's this, it's that. I mean, it's Resident Evil, guys. It's always been stupid. Like, yeah. What do you expect? I just... I, I mean, for one thing, you don't have to watch it. Yeah, that's it, exactly it. could have right. gone for 10 seasons, and you could have just ignored it, you know? Like The like, Walking Dead, like... Yeah, I don't watch The Walking Dead. I also don't wish it would get canceled, and I'm not going to cheer when it does. Actually, I, it pro- it is ending, right? Or, it, it, or I think it already? ends in a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay. But they've got spinoffs and shit, so that's going to keep. Going. Yeah, whatever. Good, good for people that like that. You know, that's more. For no, them. you can't like things. You have to. No, <laughs> no, no, no. With and also, absolute malice. And also, like a lot of shows suck in the first season. Yeah. So Breaking Bad's first season was as weak as. Breaking Bad's first season, yeah, is is like pretty. I mean, you can't skip it, but it's definitely I mean, it's still great. But like, yeah, so many just shows are better because they're laying the foundations. Right, and Resident Evil could have done that better than some, but it was better than the movies and like a lot of the animated stuff they've done. It was trying something new. And I, I just like we think should celebrate that instead of cheering on its death. I I agree, and I also think that you shouldn't take for granted that there's just going to be more Resident Evil shows and movies forever. Like, we wouldn't have a Resident Evil Netflix or a Welcome to Raccoon City last year if those movies didn't make so much fucking money. No, those those Paul W.S. Anderson movies make so much money. So much money, and that's why they keep trying to make stuff, but if it's all going to flop and get canceled, there's not going to be any more Resident Evil stuff. That's how it mm. works. So, like, this having a solid four seasons, five seasons, even if you personally thought it was bad, would be would have been better for Resident Evil. Yeah. The franchise. Uh, so this is not something to celebrate. That It sucks, and it's more uh, of this, like, pervasive trend in the streaming era where if things aren't mega hits on day one then they don't get to grow they don't get to exist anymore so like, that's i love it have been cancelled because of that I'll right be mad about it yeah we should yeah we should all like say that sucks when it happens we should not be patting netflix on the back for canceling a show six weeks after the first season came out like it really didn't have a chance did it uh bad news Anyway, hey, more bad news. PS5 price is going up in some regions, North. not here in America, up in the land of the free, in the, the home of the brave. It's up by 30? 30 pounds, I think. Yeah. I, four, four nine to four seven nine or four eight nine. Yeah. A decent price. jump, like a game's worth of a jump. And you can't get one anyway. They're all out of stock. Yeah. Yeah, and then what else? There was something else that uh oh the we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the um the quest the two, quest two went up hundred bucks. And went. at the time I was like, This is unprecedented, this is ridiculous, how could they do this? But now it's and now, <laughs> and now the PlayStation's doing it. Uh wow, scary. It's scary, weird that dark Microsoft portent. and Nintendo have almost used this price hike on Sony's part as like a weird PR win. 
They're like, right. oh, our prices aren't going up. Right. Like, this is a very Jim Ryan era of Sony thing to do, though. Right. Like this is this is the Sony that is remaking The Last of Us and raising the price of its console, but doesn't have any games at the moment. Yeah, it's a bizarre thing. And it, to tie it back to streaming, like this is what has happened on every platform. Like, you know, Disney Plus started five bucks and then it's eight and then it's 12. Like Netflix did the same thing. They all do that. Um, but somehow it feels different when it's like a machine with a graphics card in it yeah. and it costs a certain amount to manufacture. But we're so I used guess... to consoles depreciating in value over yeah. time. So to almost be Except... two years into this life cycle and to have the price go up. That just feels unusual. Right. I guess the, it happened to the Vita, but not for the same reasons. Oh, I love the Vita. It's because they stopped making them, right? It was a oh, scarcity yeah. Um, and the fucking Vita memory cards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um. Okay. A couple more. Uh, Splatfest. Uh, what What was it? The world premiere? What's it called? The, the Splat. I think it was a Splatfest world premiere. Splatoon 3. Yeah, Rock, this past paper, weekend everybody got scissors. to everybody got to play a bunch of Splatoon 3 and uh I had I had a great time. I can't wait. It comes out next oh, week. Splatted good. Oh, is it next splatted week? Splatted good? Yeah. Oh my god, that's two video games I need to buy. Uh what did you think about the three the three team mode, the triple turf war? I thought it was cool. Yeah. It, it added an extra dynamic cuz Splatoon 3 for everything it does well. It is another Splatoon. Like it's, it's got a yeah. few like cool iterations mechanically, and I love the vibe it's going for. But I feel like the freeway Splatfest makes it feel larger and more consequential in scale than Splatoon has before. It was a cool. It's a really cool idea for Splatfest. Basically, the first half of the day, everybody plays Turf Wars, and then the second half, whichever team is ahead, gets sandwiched by the other two teams in this three-player mode mm. so the winning team starts in the middle and the other two teams push in from the outside and it's uh it's really crazy and i i feel like the the middle team doesn't have a chance i don't i don't know if they're gonna look at like rebalancing that or something but just like th the first impression is that the yeah, team that you, starts the day in the lead gets wrecked in the second you come half. in the middle oi oi but the people coming from the sides it feels like they have more ground to cover just in terms yeah. of paint so you're going to have the advantage. Yeah. I don't know. I know that you can't like strategize with everyone on your team because like uh, maybe, maybe like a big discord server for everyone on team rock or something or like do it through <laughs> Reddit. But like, you should probably not try to win the first half of the day. <laughs> you yeah, should probably stand back a little bit. <laughs> team big man. Hold back. Hold back. <laughs> yeah. Everybody stop playing for an hour and then we'll try We'll take it in the second half. Cause that's exactly what happened. Scissors was ahead in the first half of the day and then rock took it in the end at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. I, I like the, the community feel of it. Mm. Um, and then, like, we got to see the new, like, city, which is kind of more sprawling than it's it was before. It's a lot before. bigger, yeah. So many yeah. Among Us and Better Call Saul memes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So many. It's just... It's and I, I really like memory. that the lobby area has the training space, so you can That's do all your cool testing idea. there. Yeah. matchmaking times could sometimes breach a minute. Mm -hmm. So even having that ability, instead of loading into a separate menu to try out new weapons, so you can just do it there. That's yeah. super welcome. And you can join yep. your friends from that lobby as opposed right. to going through 
another way, another system. So being able to just see a friend who says, oh, I'm queuing for a match. You can jump in with them. Because I had about 10 people just standing around the training lobby that I could interact with. Yeah, I thought that was all super cool. The The few maps that we saw, I they they seem really familiar like like you said it's just splatoon again and it's and it was i was reminded while playing it that i i really just wish this was a live service you only get two years like yeah it just it really doesn't make sense to release this kind of game as like a boxed release every six years or whatever it is like they're just giving us the same game with stuff that could have been seasonal uh content you know i'm also jelly that pearl and marina are saved for the expansion like right i gotta do me like that <laughs> i do really like the uh the what the katana what's it called splatana the splatana that's well, probably I, right. I don't think that's the name but that's it's, basically what it is it's a windshield wiper yeah yeah and it flicks and you you can use it like a sword and it has a little bit of range uh and then the crossbow which seems pretty useless at first but people figured out some it's really like the cool sniper it's got a learning like, yeah you need to, to you you need to actually arc it like the higher you, you shoot the more area it covers because it yeah. really like comes down like a burst and splats everywhere so i think it's cool that like the new stuff is like complex and it's going to take people a while uh to learn it because that's what you know that's what the game needs needs new the way meta, you start needs to the match is more exciting too like mid-air as opposed yeah. to that little thing, like you burst down, it feels more kinetic and action-packed and fast-paced. As Splatoon already was, mm -hmm. but that combined of like an extra verticality in the environment. So there's a few that move up and down or sideways throughout the match that gives you more areas to paint and cover. So that forces you to keep an eye on the environment way more so than you did in previous games. Because I'm not good at shooting, I'm more I'll stand near the back like a janitor just spraying everywhere. Like, okay, lads, I'll cover everything up. You do the killing. And I find that for me. I find that because Splatoon is the only game I use the motion controls with, me I too. never retain that skill. Like I'll put tons of time into Splatoon and really nail the the like motion adjustments and then I'll and then I don't use it in other games and I lose it. You have to learn it again. I had to do that with this Splatfest. It was like, whoa, okay. This doesn't yeah. play like anything else, so I need to like get used to it again. Yeah, it makes me wanna like the the Steam Deck has really good gyro and it makes me wanna like try to play my shooters that way so I mm. don't like feel like I don't know what my hands do every time I pick up Splatoon. <laughs> um but yeah. But you have to play it that way. Like Yeah. I like, use a play controller now, so I don't use the Joy Con. Oh yeah, yeah. But the pro controller still has gyro, right? Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It's, it's pretty much so the confusing, same. Confusing, but you get used to it. Yeah, and you're at, you're just at such a disadvantage if you don't. Like the learning curve is steep, but like it's just so worth it, right? Uh, okay. One last thing, I just have to mention this. Uh, tabletop company Ravensburger is developing a Disney card game, a Disney TCG called Lorcana. And uh, Jade is going to ruin my life. Is I, it, I is already it like know. Disney Hearthstone? It's physical. So it's like Disney Magic the Gathering. Or, oh, fuck. Uh, probably more accurately, Disney Pokemon cards. They're going to open is... shops in the Disney parks for this thing. Yeah. 
it's real. That's it's really like my kryptonite all over again, but worse. Pokemon cards and Disney at the same time is like, oh man. Oh, imagine the scale uh, thing. And everything they've told us before so far is another like nail in the coffin for me because it's going to have like four uh, expansions per year. It's going to have like a competitive format with events. Like they are saying it, it's you know a streamlined, simple, less. What did they? The term they used was like confrontational. Like it's not as confrontational as Magic, but if they're doing a competitive format, like with with like sanctioned tournaments and stuff, uh, yeah, I'm gonna get pretty hard and deep into Disney Lorcana. In the Cory in the House expansion. <laughs> <laughs> they can they go didn't... anywhere. That's exciting. They, uh, the announcement didn't have any of the art or anything. They're going to be showing off seven cards at D23 next week. Okay. Um, so we'll get a first look then. Um, hopefully we'll see some like foils and fancy art. Fancy, <laughs> oh my god. Fancy Simba. <laughs> oh boy. That's going to be so much fun. That comes out uh, next fall. Or Lorcana, it's called. Okay. Uh, short news segment this week, but we had a lot of games to talk about. I already teased us up for next week. We've got PAX, Disney Dreamlight Valley. Jabe, what are you playing? Oh, Fortnite. Yeah, we got Fortnite. I'm going to talk about uh, Pokemon <laughs> Unite. I almost said Disney Unite. I don't have much to talk about next week. I'll see. A, I might, I might a come Disney MOBA? Or Disney MOBA. Oh, no. Disney MOBA. All right, I got to write this down. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, gamers. Bye, gamers.